Hello, and welcome to the How to Get an Analytics Job podcast. My name is John David Arianson, and I'm your host. I'm what you would call a practicing professor. I have years of experience consulting in the analytics industry, and I have years of experience teaching analytics in the classroom at Greensboro College. This podcast is an ecosystem that I developed for my students so that they could get world-class career advice from leading analytics experts. To date, my students have got to ask questions directly to analysts and data scientists from Amazon, Apple, and Google. They've even got to talk directly to CEOs, CMOs, and presidents of companies who have been former clients of mine to get insights on how senior managers use data to drive their business decisions. If you're interested in becoming one of my students, check the links in the description down below. I'm currently offering two programs. One is a one-month career services program, and the other is an analytics apprenticeship program associated with Greensboro College. In both of those programs, we take a three-tiered hybrid approach. So you'll have access to pre-recorded asynchronous lectures, live group lectures in a cohort setting, and one-on-one coaching with experts in the analytics space. On average, our students are gaining about a $16,000 pay increase going through the program. On the high end, we've actually helped someone achieve a $54,000 pay increase. This means that on average, our students are recouping their investment between one to two months of landing their job. So if you're ready to take your career to the next level, click the links in the description and apply for our program. I would love to get to work with you. With all that being said, I hope you enjoy this podcast episode. Hello and welcome back to the How to Get an Analytics Shop podcast. So I've got Gavin here and we've got some solid news. Back again. So you've just secured your first offer. I did, yes. There's also a downside. You also turned it down. That is true. Yeah, that is true. <laughs> so how about this? I think the last episode we talked about interview prep and I kind of coached you a little bit. Mm-hmm. So how about you walk me through the interview process and then we can talk about the offer. Because you also have, what, you said three or four other interviews coming up? Yeah, I've been. I've actually been through a couple interviews, um, a couple preliminaries, a couple seconds, um, waiting to hear back from a couple. I have another two seconds next week as well. Oh, awesome. So, yeah, I've been kind of floating around with them. Um, I know how much those are kind of pay as far and um, as far as the work setting. Some are remote, some are hybrid and stuff like that, which was a little bit more favorable than the position that I turned down. So, gotcha. you know. All right, so can you just talk about the opportunity kind of at a high level? Like what – was it just a business analyst role? Yes. So it was a business analyst role for a consulting company, um, which was okay. great. Um, it was very entry level. They work out of uh, Durham. Okay. Um, so it's a nice big area. Um, yeah, Durham's yeah. blowing up. Exactly, yeah. especially with a lot of tech tech stuff. Um, so they were offering um, an entry level position there, obviously opportunity for growth. Um and yeah, I, I mean, everything that I understood and learned about the company throughout the process was pretty good. Um, it was just not really the best opportunity for me at the time, especially, well, that and the fact that the, considering where I live at now, it was been like an hour and some change commute yeah. at least a couple of days a week, which is well, not great. But that's, I mean, that's such, congratulations on getting traction though. Like yeah. The fact that you have gotten your first offer in the new space. Mm-hmm. Is a huge deal, right? And that's that's congrats. I mean, you're you're like case study number one for the whole <laughs> apprenticeship program, right? 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 It was uh, an analyst specific role, which nothing like there was no sales or anything. It was strictly analyst, which that, is cool. What blows my mind is people will like grind and learn like data science thing after data science thing, but then they like aren't even applying for jobs. 
Yeah, I mean, it can be more beneficial. Um, but what I found... Wait, just, why though? I, I want to push back on that. Why would it be beneficial to like learn data science on your own for two years? I mean, you don't necessarily have to learn it on your own. I would just... Uh, if you're going to learn it just individually like you know like when you have free time that would probably be the best thing you just want to be able to add it to your resume and then speak to it because what i've figured out from a lot of the recruiters and the hiring managers that i've spoke to they'll just ask you very blanketly because they're not the would they're not the person that you'd be working under right so, you don't so they don't yeah so they're just looking for some keywords so if you can say yeah i know sql i know python i did one two or three that's really all they're looking to hear to push you along i guess what i'm trying to communicate is that you don't have to have these like deep knowledge bases and all these skills. No, I, I see people doing. They they feel anxious about breaking into the space, so they over specialize. Mm-hmm. And my thinking is, build your personal brand, get an entry level data data analyst job mm-hmm. or business analyst job, and then get paid to develop the data science skills if that's the direction you want to head in. Exactly. I think um, the project that we worked on was a very it was a it was a cool thing to speak to. Um, in those right. interviews and so stuff like that. About, did they ask about it? They didn't ask about the project, but when you talk about, like, because I, obviously going through the program, you're not going to have a wealth of knowledge in these spaces. Like, when you can talk through the project that you did, um, as well as the, the data sets that we reviewed, so your financial data, your sales and marketing data, those different data sets, as well as my own just personal experience in the back, it was, for an entry-level role, it was a home run. Awesome. That's that's fantastic. Mm-hmm. All right, so walk me through the process. So was there a phone? Was it a was it like the three steps we we kind of outlined in one of the previous podcast episodes, where it's the phone screening, the technical, and the behavioral? No. So this specific one was strictly a it was a uh, email conversation, and then it was strict to a Zoom conversation. That Zoom conversation was anywhere between thirty minutes and an hour. Um, but it was more just kind of talking, which was cool. The hiring manager was very open. Mm-hmm. So it wasn't a strict interview. It was more talking. So you could speak to your resume, but you didn't have to like hit. Um, it didn't have to be as robotic. So you could right. just flow through it like a conversation. She was giving me a little bit of feedback from what they do. I was telling her, you know, based on that, you know, this is how I could kind of fit into that, this role. Um, and it kind of played out like that. So it was really only the one conversation. And then I got the offer the following week. Wow. You got to feel great right now. Like you, this is got to be. It's big. not. It's not bad. It's not bad. <laughs> this is got to be like a big confidence boost. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It, was, it was pretty cool because I mean, most of the conversations that I've had with other companies um, have been like, "Yeah, we're going through our process. You know, we'll reach back out um, for the second interview." And, and I've I know a couple of people in some of the companies that I've applied to, and they're like, "Yeah, it's probably going to take a while." And I've applied to jobs before, so even if you do your first, you may not hear back for a week maybe two weeks or something like that. So, I mean, everything as far as that goes kind of flowing. But I, as I'm waiting on those second interviews, if I am to get those, I'm still out here applying. I'm still out here researching right. other jobs and stuff. So, um, And I've gotten feedback. I've gotten, you know, uh, I've interviewed for a couple. I, as I said, I have two lined up next week. So, you know. Gotcha. So um, can you walk me through, why did you turn, turn it down? Because it was too far away? Um, so that was part of it. Um, it was too far away. Um, I think from where I am at just professionally, um, it wasn't where I wanted it. Like the, the pay wasn't where I wanted it to be. Um, just coming how, from... How much lower was the pay than you, like, than your target? Did, did you say it was like, how much was it? Um, from the target, it's, it's less than I'm making salary right now. And I, I, I work at technically like a sales role as well. So mm-hmm. there was no bonus or sell kind of commission structure attached to the role. What they offered for the most part, other than benefits, I think in day one, which was cool. 
Um, the, the only thing they offered was opportunity for growth and the fact that we'd work on different projects. So that's a wealth of experience that you could yeah. got and then kind of moved up after a while, which yeah. has been cool. But again, you factor in that and then the fact that I would have been having to drive at least three days a week, an hour plus. I will, yeah, I'm yeah, cool. that would be that'd be a lot. Uh, I'm I'm kind of curious. Was it a smaller company? Yes, smaller but growing that, is the way. So to that put makes it. sense as to why it wasn't the three stage inter- typical interview process, right? And also, did they ask about sequel? Um, not not really. No. Okay, so that's just validating like my assumption that sequel is for the bigger the bigger probably billion dollar plus companies mm-hmm. smaller companies you can probably get away with not having that skill set right so in what she actually kind of t- I talked about this a little bit and I was just asking like what's the day to day what are some of the things you're going to be using um, so you know obviously you have your power bi your advanced excel and your tableau but she was saying some of the um, more veteran members of the team they would kind of know some of those things so you would have a chance to grow and learn within the company those skills without having to know those going in She's been one of the few that's actually kind of walked me through that process a little bit more and kind of described like, hey, you don't need to know this. We'll kind of teach you. There was one other company that kind of told me the same thing, which was cool. Um, but, you know. Yeah. And, and and that makes total sense. And I'm kind of like learning from you. Mm-hmm. Like you're, you're like an extension of myself going out and like putting feelers out in the world. I'm essentially a consultant. So that makes sense why I don't really use SQL. Mm-hmm. Um, so like I could probably pivot into like a – analyst consulting role if I wanted to, Mm -hmm. which that's something that I don't think we've really talked about too much. So what would the day-to-day be like? You you would just work on like five different clients at a time? Um, So everything, so what I was told it was going to be project-based. So you'd be working on a project anywhere between four to six weeks, typically, obviously some longer, some shorter, Um, but it would be uh, remote two days a week in the office, three days a week, obviously, especially while you're training. Um, and then from there, she didn't really give me an idea of what we would be doing other than it was just consulting or doing projects. She did let me know that there were other members of the team. As I said, more people that were probably, or people that were more in tune with coding. Um, but as well as like sales roles and kind of other aspects, like you had some very strict data science, computer science type guys. Um, but then you had some people in a couple other fields that you'd be working with. That sounds like such a cool, like first experience. Like it was cool. Like, I'm not going to lie. When she was talking to me about the role and who I get to work with, I I was, and I was like, man, look, but you know, you know, it happens. Yeah. Well, and it, it kind of, kind of maps onto my experience in the analytics space to where I can just outsource SQL coding or if like someone needs to build an algorithm for me. That's what I've gathered from what I've been applying. Um, Like the bigger companies, they they want to have a little bit more of like SQL experience and some of those other coding languages. But for the smaller companies, there's no need for it. To be quite honest with you, like if you can master, you know, your advanced Excel, which I feel like for anybody, a business professional right now, you need a pretty good, you know, pretty good amount of knowledge in Excel. But then Power BI, which again, just like the company that we work for, Every, a lot of companies have Microsoft. So Power BI is probably going to be the next step. But if you want to take it a step further, make it more visually appealing, especially to these tech companies, Tableau yeah. is going to be the one to show. That's going to be your portfolio. Oh, that you told, bringing up Power BI just reminded me. So we met with um, the client mm-hmm. uh, at 10 a.m. yesterday. Mm-hmm. They were through the moon about the project. Really? They were like, this is amazing. We want this. Like, It's, it's the start of building out their infrastructure. And mm-hmm. we're actually going to be bringing that same client on to build that phase two of the build. Okay. So yeah, so basically what you can say in an interview is that we built like the cornerstone of the analytics infrastructure for this type of business. 
Exactly. Yeah. Um, what I did actually was the last conversation we had about like obviously the interview questions and everything like that. I wrote out pretty much like a script, almost like an interview script. Oh, did you so, do the star method? Um, kind of, yeah. So mm-hmm. kind of. So I had so I have multiple screens at home. So when I'm going through these interviews, whether it be on a phone interview or a Zoom or Teams call, I have my uh, obviously my screen on one. Um, with the interviewer and then I have my uh, resume on one screen and then I have kind of my script, my, like my mm-hmm. key points to hit. Um, and then I just ran through each of those trying to make it flow as easy with the conversation. But again, when you start, well, I got the, like it, I could see the ears perk up when we started talking about what we did with the project and Ooh. talking with the CEO and the CFO yeah. and kind of laying that down. That was probably, you know, I felt like they got the most teeth in there. Well, how'd you phrase it? I'm, cu- I'm curious. How'd you phrase it? It was the same way that we talked about it. It was just like, hey, we work with a, you know, we help build the ERP infrastructure for a manufacturing company that does, is a multi-million dollar business. So initially we spoke to the CFO and CEO. We talked, they gave us the key KPIs that we're looking for. So we're talking total cost, average margin, total profits, and all, all the stuff that we talked yeah. about. Um, and then I talked about, I even brought up some of the issues that we had issues we had to see fix, i think that's key kind of going back it, and forth because it, it makes it real exactly we'll see here i didn't initially start doing that even when we had this conversation it was when i the con the interviews that i had went on that weren't really giving me a lot in the interview i was like i'm gonna just have to throw this out because i don't know if they're gonna ask me about it and mm-hmm. i don't want to like you know at the end of the interview they're like you have any questions for me like i don't want to throw a whole bunch of information <laughs> at the end so i was just volunteering information as we were going through that, and it seemed to flow a little bit better because, I mean, naturally, not everybody's going to be the best interviewer, you know, yeah. so, you know, pull everything out of you. So I just try to. We're going to take a quick pause from the episode so that I can give you some more information about our career services program. Over the last four years, I have developed a very effective approach to teaching the foundations of analytics. And I've taken that same curriculum from my case studies and business analytics class at Greensboro College and turned it into a career services program. So if you've ever thought to yourself as you're listening to this podcast, man, John David's students are really lucky. You can have a very similar experience to them. Just check the link in the description down below. My career services program offers you an analytics foundations curriculum. So this will shore up any gaps in knowledge that you might have in landing either a promotion or maybe even your very first analytics job. And then you get to work one-on-one with me to help build your personal brand. So we will look at your resume and also help you develop a customized portfolio. All right, let's get back to the episode. Yeah, well, well, I think the fact before. that you had real data and data quality problems, mm-hmm. it speaks more than like, oh, I took an hour-long LinkedIn course and the data was perfect. Right. And then I hooked it in. It just, it it adds texture and nuance to it. Mm-hmm. Because if you understand how these problems develop, because then it kind of, it's almost an emotional bid, like a conversation starter. Mm-hmm. Oh, I didn't realize you worked with dirty data. How did you solve that? Then you can start to kind of showcase your critical thinking skills and also that you're not completely green like you already have experience exactly i mean i have that experience as i said i've um i have a project management certificate um from uncc um so i speak to that a little bit in kind of what i do in my everyday role so a mix between project management sales and what we did in this is kind of a good trifecta especially for an entry-level role 
Mm-hmm. So did, I'm, I'm curious. Did they ask you to pull up your Tableau public portfolio? No, most most don't. Um, okay. But again, I'm I'm not. Some of the ones that I've spoke to so far, I haven't necessarily got to the um, next step. Like, like the, the person, more technical style. exactly. Yeah. So um, next week, I have an interview that may get more technical. I'm not exactly sure because it's. Um, it's in the industry that I came from. I came from came from insurance, right, so yeah. it's in that industry. So I don't know if they're going to talk to me more about the insurance side or the analytics side about that. Um, but I'm prepared for both. Well, the, and I love that you're gravitating towards those jobs. Mm-hmm. So I was, I was telling you, like, right before we hit play on the podcast, that we we've, we've already started the second cohort, and already week one, one of my apprentices has already gotten an interview, mm-hmm. and, and it's because she's a nutritionist. And she is de- developing analytic skills. Exactly. So, like, think about, I don't know how many nutritionists there are in the United States. Like, I don't know, two million? Yeah. Like how many of those two million know data science? Like, it's just such a smaller candidate pool. And, like, right. you, you're, you're separating yourself from the masses by saying, I know, ins- I know the insurance industry and here are the skill sets that I'm developing. Exactly. I mean, that's from from the companies that I've applied to. Those are the companies that I've gotten the most uh, interview requests from um, were insurance, uh, which I have a background in. And what I what I realized is if I can speak to more of like the project management side as well as the analytical side, those some of project management roles, um, even within the IT field or anything like that, I've gotten more teeth from those. Okay. Um, so I had a phone call today with someone. Um, Wait, that, so how many interviews have you? You've got like six. It's quite a few. Um, yeah, I've done quite a few. But as I said, I'm I'm not going to say I've had the most success, but I have gotten callbacks from some. Obviously, I have the one offer, um, and then I have two follow-ups. Some of the ones that I've gotten callbacks from or interviewed for have not been technically like analytics role or they've been – They've seen my resume, but when we kind of get in the interview, I'm like, okay, this is not necessarily something that I'm qualified for or um, that I even want to do. Do the interviews anyway, but I think we could both know going out, coming out of the interview that's probably Wait, not going to be the I best wanna, fit. I want to I wanna root down on the interviewing for a job you're not qualified for. Mm-hmm. Let them decide that. That's true. That's true. And I, that's what I'm saying, but I, I think... Like I don't, think don't pre-sort yourself out. Right. It's like you're never going to get it if you don't ask. Right. Well, yeah. what I've been trying to do is with these interviews is try to figure out what they're asking me specifically and then what I need to tailor my conversation around in the next interview, which in my opinion, my interview skills have gotten better as I've kind of went along, which I obviously it should. Um, but as we were saying with like the analytics space as well as the project management space that I was talking about before, um, I've looked up the job descriptions and everything, what they're looking for, and then went on actually LinkedIn. And I'm I, for my interviews next week. I'm kind of got a whole process. I got got a book from Harvard Business Review about business analytics. Um, okay. Just just want to kind of introduce some of those concepts in the conversation to kind of help boost this because obviously if I want to get paid more, gonna have to have be- better conversation. Right. Um, so there's that, but there's also just general LinkedIn courses. So like for the project management space, there are certain things like Agile, um, the water method and a couple other different things that if you can just speak to those in the initial interview you can you know move on at least to the second interview or you can um you can ask for more money in these spaces right because some of the one like one of the interview i have next week is and one that i had two weeks ago quite quite a bit more money than even i thought Right. So Oh really? So they already told you the salary? Yeah. And so like, I I've no I know a range. Yeah, yeah, it's way above. 
Um, and I, I, I know the range going into it because I because when they always ask you during the interview, you know, what what are you thinking about for a salary or something like that? Like, I don't want to undershoot myself. Um, but one of the biggest things that I always say is like, you know, it's negotiable. It's depending on, um, you know, benefits as well as I, and they'll tell me general experience. And, you know, the clearest thing in the analytics role that they're going to tell you right now is you're very green. Um, so you may not be able to ask for a certain amount, a certain amount of money. However, because I have experience in these other fields, I still should be able to get a minimum of this amount. Yeah. And, and so, okay. So the what your starting salary is mm-hmm. very important within that company. Exactly. Um, because if you and it kind of I don't know. I guess this is somewhat debatable or so, somewhat of a gray area. Um, it, good on you for doing your due diligence and, and like looking up the pay ba- band because mm-hmm. I have had people I've coached who are twenty thousand dollars below the pay band. Exactly, and they'll then, underpay you if they can. And but it just sets you up as they see you as like the redheaded stepchild, like mm-hmm. you're not like really accepted into the team. They like kind of talk down to you, and it just sets this weird um, kind of bad power dynamic. Right. And it makes it, for me, it makes it easier to negotiate if I know the range that they're already paying out. I don't have to push too hard to be like, yeah, I'm worth such and such. I'm like, right. naturally, I know like, hey, I know borderline, you know, bare minimum or at least middle ground, you're paying this. So I'm going to go at least five to 10, depending on the job, 10 grand more than that, just to see what we can do. Um, and then what I always do, which most hiring, not, I don't say most, but half and half know as far as like, hey, do you get like some of these jobs give you a year in bonus. Some, of the, some give you a project bonus mm-hmm. for the projects that you work on or commission bonus so um i kind of try to go into that knowing the, knowing some of those things so it makes it an easier conversation to have i don't want to feel like i'm pre- like i'm not i'm not going to say i'm the best at those type of negotiations but i also know enough i know when i'm pressing you know mm-hmm. and some again some of these hiring managers they're not the one that's pulling the trigger saying that this person deserves this much or anything like that unless it's a recruiter where they're like hey look this is a bare minimum they may not know you know what mm-hmm. they can give you so you know yeah, and, and and to circle back to that point of don't sort pre-sort yourself out of the opportunity, mm-hmm. you may sh- showcase that, hey, I'm a really good learner, right? right. very bright. So you may not, at the time of that interview, know everything you need to know. Right. But maybe there's a three to six month ramp up where they're like, you know, th- this isn't mission critical. Like if this, you know, if, if this is a little bit... You know, less efficient than it normally would be. That's fine. We can ramp ramp up because mm-hmm. I mean, they're not. If you're an entry level analyst, it's not like you're going to be like in the position of like a senior analyst or an analytics manager, like right? Like some type of lead. Yeah. yeah. Like they're well, or just, they'll just kind of give you the projects that are you know maybe not like if we right. get this KPI wrong, then the CEO is going to make the wrong decision and we're going to go to bed. Like, you're not going to be put in that precarious situation. Situation, right. Yeah. Like, especially because, like, when I was um, in my MBA program, they even have programs that are, like, rotational programs Mm -hmm. where you, like, work and you do a task. Mm -hmm. And if they're switching every six months... I mean that task. I, is not, I find a lot of lot of. I, I mean, just on the back of that, I find a lot of bigger businesses are doing that, especially for people they hire right out of college. Right. So, so what you want to signal if you yeah. feel like you're underqualified is that I am a rock solid employee. Mm-hmm. I'm very driven. I'm very detail oriented. I get all my work done, and I'm proactively learning all the things. Exactly. And also, I'm like, like if if they can see a future for you. That might be enough of a sell to get you your foot in the door at the job you feel 
like underqualified for. Exactly. And one thing I actually had a hiring, I had two hiring managers tell me this was um, like being like letting them know that you're constantly learning. Right. So um, if you're in the analytics space, have a couple coding languages or something that you're currently working on or trying to learn, you know, that shows them that you're constantly expanding your mind. Or without, a project, a pet project. A pet, yeah, yeah, exactly. A pet project that you're doing on the side. So it shows them that, hey, you're excited about this outside of work. Mm. Um, when I, I started talking about a um, one of the project management roles that we were talking, it had a little bit, it had some analytics um responsibilities in that as well he was like i was like yeah i'm doing this but i'm also doing this at the same time and what he was telling me he was like yeah this is real cool because one thing that one thing that their hiring team looked because he was a recruiter from a different firm not from the actual company one thing the company told him specifically was find somebody who's willing to learn and excited to learn because we right. can teach them certain skills once they get the role um so if you you know jump out the window and tell them this off gate it automatically is a trigger so yeah, and what, what's funny is, um, so Lauren's the, the girl who's a nutritionist is mm-hmm. in this upcoming cohort. She So in our first touch base meeting, she was like, John David, I'm literally like dreaming about analytics right now. Yeah. Like she's so burnt out at where she's at. Right. Like she, she's just like, I, um, apparently in the nutritionist space, it's, there's a very like hard ceiling. Like, like there's a bunch of nutritionists. Mm-hmm. There's very few, I guess, nutrition managers. Lauren, sorry if I'm like bastardizing, like how your industry works. Right. Um, but the idea of like actually using your critical thinking skills mm-hmm. and going and solving complex problems, if you mm-hmm. can say that's what I want to do, I mean that's that's such a good sign to the interviewer or the management team mm-hmm. that hey, we can develop. Because a lot of times they'll go and send you to these training sessions or they'll pay um, a lot of companies will pay up to like five, six thousand dollars for continuing education. Yeah, I mean, I mean, we worked in the insurance space to get relicensed every year. You right. have to, you know, take a whatever, yeah. whatever. So they pay for that, and that's not cheap. Because that, that's exactly what those rotational programs are doing. Is they're kind of they're they're grooming future management. Yeah, yeah. Because you know, if, sure. if you can see like, all aspects of the yeah, business. Yeah, when I was interning at Volvo, they had a graduate program. It was four MBAs where you'd go work. You'd work here in Greensboro. You'd work in Brussels. You'd work in Stockholm, Sweden. Uh, you go work over in China, and you get to see, like, the full, I guess, supply chain right. for Volvo trucks. Very cool. Which, yeah. But it's like, are you expected to be an ace at whatever job function you're doing in Stockholm, Sweden, when you're there for three months? No. I no. just want to, yeah. They're, yeah, they're, they're, they're looking at you as almost, I guess it's like human capital. It sounds so objectifying. You're human capital. You're an asset they're looking to grow for the future. Exactly. And I mean, at such a young age, like you don't have any, most people don't have any responsibilities that's going to keep them. Right. Um, because there was one company I was looking at that they were like having a hard time. It There's a certain amount of the job that was traveling. They were having a hard time hiring older people for the role. So they were looking for, again, more excited younger people um, with maybe certain certifications or master's degree. Honestly, just depends with the flexibility to being able to travel or to do one, two, or three, which yeah. some of these roles, um, if you can find them, are paying more just because you're younger and have less responsibility <laughs> so you can do more things. As long as you, you know, again, you're, you're on your stuff. I mean, these are some of the companies that are out there. So it's, you're, you're, you're making me think of Hunter. So Hunter's got young man energy. Now, Hunter's 21. Right. So he is just all full of just this chaotic young man energy right we had the meeting with a client at 10 a.m yesterday mm. he texted me at 1 30 saying hey i've got the dax bucks to figure it out <laughs> <laughs> so he's like up all night like working on this right and then right there up at peppy like at, at 10 a.m right which yeah i mean that that like 
I don't, I don't I want to say like that need to prove yourself, but I mean that's that's essentially what like young person I shouldn't say young man because there are a lot of women who listen to this like young person energy mm-hmm. like you have you don't have a lot of like established I guess status exactly like you're not seen as you know the professor or the C-suite executive, but you're someone who and you don't have a lot of prove themselves. Yeah, companies will say you don't have a lot of bad habits, so they don't have to you right. know, reteach anything. That's true. You know, they're indoctrinating you into their own methodology. Yeah. So yeah, that's actually a good way of reframing that. Is like yeah, um, if if they if you feel underqualified, you can also reframe in the interview, like like maybe when they're at like at closing it out, you can say, hey, you know, I don't know some of the stuff, but I would love to learn exactly how you guys do it. Exactly. So you can kind of take that perceived weakness and turn it into a strength. Yeah. Because you can say, yeah, I don't have any bad habits in this space. So, I mean, that's, that's just one, yeah, that's kind, the of, one. kind of strategy. But, okay, one, one thing I wanted to ask you is that you're, you're, you've been doing this kind of hybrid approach of the one-click applies and then going to the company websites and filling out the mm-hmm. all the, like, ERP, or not ERP, uh, ATS data, where you type in your name and then they, like, Make you copy and paste your resume sometimes. Yeah, I don't yeah. know why they do that. It's like, look, I just up- uploaded the document. Right. So, which one are you having more success with? Oh, going straight to the company website for sure. Uh, I mean, so if you're on LinkedIn right now, the easy apply, I probably gotten. I, I I'm not gonna lie, it it has worked to some degree as far as conversation with a couple companies. The one I got today, I believe it was on LinkedIn. The actual job offer. I saw the job on LinkedIn, but when you click apply, then it sends you to the company website, okay. and then you apply. Those are the more beneficial um, ways to go. The Which easier, is higher conversions. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. I mean, if you go the easy apply, man, it's a catacomb. Like they're just yeah. they're filtering through websites all the time. Like you'll see um, if you have your notifications on, you'll see the views, 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 views. But I mean, they're barely paying attention to it. Um, and these are like they'll view your profile. They'll view, yeah, yeah, they'll view your uh, profile that you um, applied with, or they'll like download your resume or something like that. But you got to understand that everybody across the country is doing the same thing. So they may yeah. have 200 plus applicants for one specific job. And you may say, hey, this job is, let's say, you 40. say 200, it's like 2,000. 2,000, exactly. 20, 000, 200. I, think it, I think it caps it at 200, it says 200 plus. And then uh, after, the, after that, <laughs> it's just what it is. What it is. LinkedIn's but, being tricky there. Exactly. <laughs> so, I mean, they, I mean, and you never know, like, some of these people who apply to these jobs are doing the same thing that we talked about before knowing applying the jobs that they know they can get so you having master's degrees or high certification 10 15 years in the industry to apply for some of these jobs it's probably not going to be the best thing especially for an entry-level role so yeah. I, I i still go on linkedin to look at the roles um the entry-level roles or if i'm looking for pay hybrid whatever the format i'm looking for then I'll allow that to take me to the company website and I'll apply there. But I also go and do my own research. So, um, as I said, I was looking for more of a big company, um, and then I was looking for more of an industry that I was familiar with as well. So I was looking to companies within North Carolina. Obviously, we're in Greensboro, but also looking to Charlotte. We're probably going to end up at, back at at some point. Yeah. Um, so well, looking at a lot of opportunity there, lot lot of opportunity. Yeah. Between depending on yeah, I mean if you're in North Carolina, well, that's actually you, what you know is Charlotte or Raleigh. Yeah. Le- Leon Bay was like, yeah, where I'm living, it's like hundred thousand people. 
Yeah, so, so just not a bunch of big business. Like, exactly, and I mean, remote roles are cool, um, but it, quite honestly, the remote roles that I've talked to, they're not going to probably pay you what you want to be paid unless you have a, experience in the industry, like right. the um, insurance jobs that I was talking about. All of those are going to be remote, though they do have a facility in Charlotte, but I have experience in insurance, so it's an easier yeah. conversation for me to have compared to somebody who doesn't. Um, so... But yeah, so if you're applying, what I would do is, again, research the companies that you want to work at, but and then just apply from there. I mean, I was applying to stuff that was hybrid, even if it was an hour plus drive. As I said, the offer that I got was a plus an hour, which again, I appreciate, but consider all things considered, I'm not going to drive for what it was. So um, that's kind of been my philosophy so far. Yeah. Um, and well, it's what you're doing is working. It is working. I mean, it is but working. actually, let's, let's talk about this at a high level. How many... Jobs have you applied to? How many interviews have you gotten? And you got one. Um, I've I've gotten quite a few interviews. Um, have I've you probably, applied to over two hundred? Yeah, it's been over two hundred jobs. Wow. Yeah, because I'll I'll just sometimes, especially for it's like a company, I'll just sit there and click. I got some qualification here, and they're not all analyst roles. But what's cool is if I can speak to my previous experience as well as the analytics stuff. It just meshes better, and then depending on the job, I might end up getting paid more to do that. So I've been doing a lot of that, but yeah, I'll just get get on a company. I'll just whatever, whatever. So it'll be hours at a time, sometimes a couple hours a day. Wow. Um, I do the as I said, I do a mix between the easies and going on there because I like just clicking. Sometimes I get kind of bored just going through and typing, constantly clicking away. But you yeah, know. and what's what's great with you is you got results so quickly. I think a lot of people are, have been applying. I mean, a lot of people I've, I've interviewed for the apprenticeship program, mm-hmm. they've applied for like six months, some some up to like two years. So I don't yeah. think they're doing it with the intensity that you are, though. No. You've probably um, done as many applications as they've done in a full year. Like the person I talked to who'd been applying for a full year, yeah. they probably did as many, if not more, in two weeks than they did the full year. This is as many as I've ever done before for one specific so, thing. So wait, what's, why are you so aggressive? <laughs> because I, because with what we've learned in this project, I had to take a big look at this. So I was like, what I've done in my past, I had to, it was confidence, right? So we we're coming through here, we talked yeah. about even on the podcast, I was kind of, kind of, you know, mellow tone during the beginning, a little bit more excited at the end. So once we kind of made it through this whole process, I looked at this, I looked at some of the other certifications that I had and my general work experience. Then one of the biggest confidence boosters, I was talking to people my own age and I was, I understand what they've done to a little bit. And then I understand that the roles that they're in. And then I'm like, there's no way that I shouldn't be making one, two or three. And then when you have the confidence to know, well, if I don't get it, even if I ask for, you know, $500,000 or something, if I don't get it, I still have the job I'm currently in. I'm just clicking away. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, I'm just continuously going. Like, I don't care if it, I get a no. Obviously, I like the yeses. Obviously, I like the viewed your profiles and stuff. I've got a couple connections on LinkedIn from recruiters. But, I mean, again, nothing of yet has teeth. But also, you have to understand your worth. And depending on how long you've been in the job industry, there's a certain amount that you should be able to get. As we always talk about with, um, I mean, with going, what's going on in the world right now with inflation and everything else, like supply chain issues, exactly. Like the money that our parents were making at maybe what you're making right now may have been good 20 years ago, but it's not going to get it done now. Nor is it going to get done, um, you know, 10, 15 years from now. One, yeah, six figures is no longer six figures. Exactly. Yeah. And the other thing is, um, as far as just general company loyalty, as I said, one of the biggest things that we first talked about was every six months. I'd probably try to apply for a job just to see where the market's at. Um, and 
you know, you should be able to, like, once you start getting out here and you're like, oh, oh, I should deserve to get this amount of money. So once I'm getting some teeth from some of these places, now I'm walking around and applying and having these other conversations like, yeah, this is the reason why I deserve one, two or three. And I'm going into these conversations with more confidence. And then quite honestly, from when I started doing the interviews from our last conversation to now, the confidence and the level of conversation I've been able to have is a lot better. So, so this is you're, you're illustrating the exact point I tried to make earlier on in the episode, maybe somewhat sloppily. If you just spent the past three months learning Python on your own in a dark, dimly lit room, listening to lo-fi hip-hop beats... My favorite thing to you, do. I do, I, I do it at you, work. <laughs> you would not... The reason a lot of people do that and they spend, mm-hmm. is to build, build confidence. Mm-hmm. I don't think that builds confidence like what you just laid out. Right. Where you... and If you can't speak to the experience, you're not going to... There's nothing... I mean, it's not going to help you in an interview. Well, it's, it's, it's almost like you're building this, like, image in a vacuum and no one's seeing it mm-hmm. to where you're kind of shifting your professional identity. And then you're, instead of being a crazy delusional person, you're going and putting yourself out in very, not very, just uncomfortable situations where it's like, can I pull this off? Do they see me as a legitimate analyst? Yeah. Obviously, yes, you've got your first offer. Right. So you're, you're there. You've, you've made kind of that identity shift. Which is really, really cool to see. Exactly. I mean, as I said, like one thing that I've tried to do, especially now, what when I'm applying now compared to when I started a couple of weeks ago was I'll try to make it a point to apply to positions that not only have the, the role analyst or intelligence officer or something like that within the role. I try to apply to roles that one I want from a company that I want. But in these interviews or in these conversations, I try to demonstrate what the apprenticeship got for me, what the analytics space, what I learned from this, what I actually did with my previously work experience. And that's 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 a better combination than trying ever, to attack it from one angle. Have you done that before? No. So this is the first time you, you've like really I mean, how do I describe that? So what you've done is you've taken a five thousand like five thousand foot view of yourself. Mm-hmm. Like instead of because most people are just reactive. Right. Like there are things that happen and then they, they do a thing mm-hmm. to where you, you've like paused, you've kind of pu- like pushed yourself out of that day to day. Like, what are the op- opportunities in front of me? And you started kind of like doing a little bit more like high. It's almost like what um, the, C- the C-suite does. They, they start looking out into the future. Mm-hmm. I think most people are, are fixated on the past or they're just like stuck in reaction mode. Like things are happening and then they just respond to that. Yeah. To where now what you're doing, and that happened to me when I lost my largest insurance client. Mm-hmm. Is that it was the first time in my life I ever like pulled out of this that like, I don't know, reptilian brain where I'm just like responding to whatever. Mm-hmm. And then started thinking about like, who am I? Where are the opportunities and how can I fit into those opportunities? Exactly. Yeah, it wasn't like, and I think that was the problem that I had when I was initially applying was I was just like, hey, I'm trying to get an analytics job. So it was strictly analytics. And even in these initial conversations that I was having, um, I wasn't having a lot. But in the initial conversation, I was only speaking to the analyst part, not the rest of my experience. And that was extremely limiting. As far as moving through the conversation, um, and to be quite honest, as much as we're, sh- I'm still learning, um, you know, languages and things in the analytic space. My wealth, my experience is in other areas. So right. if I'm not speaking to these other areas, I'm doing myself a disservice. If I can combine them, I'm just that much better. So, 
what you're doing is you're crafting a personal narrative. Right. That's like the cornerstone of building your personal brand. Which I think that I think that's what one of the things on top of well I guess they're kind of con- conjoined in that by carving out a consulting project that you get to work on, you solve the problems, mm-hmm. and then working with you on the back end of that, uh, we're building a personal brand, mm-hmm. which is it's, it, it feels silly I think for a lot of people because it's like no that's what Coca Cola has a brand right. or like. I don't know who, who's someone. Oprah Winfrey has a personal brand. I I'm just a, like a nobody. Exactly. But we are in the age where everyone needs a brand. Exactly. It's weird. Yeah, it is. And I mean, one of the things in one of the interview prep conversations that we had was like the one thing that they'll ask you in an interview is like, tell me a little bit about yourself. Tell me about your and that's experience. You got to craft that narrative. And that, yeah. And I think once I did that, and this is right, this is what I was saying when I had my bullet points, I actually wrote it out. And like, yeah, I'm a salesman by trade. I have a wealth of project management experience. More recently, I wanted to understand and optimize business a little bit more, so it led me into. And this is when I start talking about my certifications. So I blanket that. You put them in context. Exactly. Yeah, I blanket that. Yeah, and then I cut it real quick. So and then we laid the groundwork for the three areas that speak to in my resume. Like my one job now is more project management, kind of sales still sales before and then obviously our apprenticeship so i'll make sure you already know what i'm about and then i'll always make sure i go back and touch these key points and then expound on them so again once i started doing that again the conversations were a lot better i mean i can just like see in your body language and your vocal tone you're more confident even than this time last week or two weeks ago yeah when last recorded i'm more awake today too so yeah <laughs> no, that's true you were home, so you're, yeah. you're not, you know, sorry. that's true yeah i'm feeling better too maybe it's me a little on my end too because i yeah. didn't do brazilian jiu-jitsu and i'm not like wiped out right i feel pretty good but also too this it feels like we've like come out of it was like this was the first cohort so i was like is this even gonna work yeah it's like bam yeah no this is this has been very beneficial yeah <laughs> I've had, I've had a lot of fun um, with the conversation and stuff like that. And I mean, I still keep up with the, um, as you said, I believe her name's Lauren. Like I still look at oh, some, yeah, of, yeah, yeah, yeah. I still look at some of the stuff because I know you share some of her stuff and her some of her stuff pops up on my LinkedIn. So I'll give that a look. She's a rock star. I'm learning a lot from her. So she has a GitHub for her sequel. Really? She has a, a, a sequel portfolio. Really? Yeah, and I, I haven't heard of that before. And, and maybe that's just like a blind spot in my like. Advice is like a I don't know a career. I advisor. saw I saw that and I've I've heard somebody say something like that, but like yeah, again, I've never known anybody personally. So apparently, you upload your SQL code to GitHub, mm-hmm. um, and then yeah, that kind of validates that yes, I have SQL knowledge. So really? I think, yeah. Well, and I actually talked to Leonbe about this, you know, an hour ago. Um, she's doing like projects. Like we could, I could totally bring you guys in to like collaborate. Really? And it's like it's it's an interesting concept of like. Doing these cohorts because it's almost like you have generations, right? Was like she we're doing that? generational knowledge? <laughs> yeah, I mean, which is cool. It's like an alumni base, right? Right, and then it's like you know, and it's it's you know, if I have someone who wants to get you know, if you get an insurance analytics job, mm-hmm. I can introduce that person to you, and then you have you get, can give so much more valuable insights than I could mm-hmm. because you very recently got your first job in that space. Right. And also, I, I mean, Lauren would probably know more than I do, but I mean, you know, Char- I think she, you said she's from Charlotte. She's area. in Concord right now. She's At, planning to move to Greensboro. Though. Okay. Her, yeah. Her boyfriend works at Corvo. 
Corvo. Okay. Yeah. So, I mean, the, in, in North Carolina in general, like the healthcare space, extremely big. Like we have a lot of big insurance companies here. I mean, the hospital systems, yeah. very big. I mean, you know, your Novant, your Atrium Health and stuff are all over the, all over the state, man. Those, I mean, she could probably speak to those. I mean, I don't have as much SQL knowledge as it sounds like she has. So yeah, she's, she's probably, you know, going to kick some, well, have, kick you, some have you taken the, the uh, SQL foundations course through Khan Academy? Um, I started, but no. Like once I started going to jobs, I was like, I'll say I'm learning this right now, but I have no. Well, and see, that's what's so interesting because maybe if you get deeper into that, then you can start getting those larger company job opportunities. That is true. Um, what the way that I I actually think of, think I might pivot instead is going towards more the project management and then expanding on my Excel Power BI what I already know because these types of so you want to kind of go into like a financial analyst role then um not necessarily um I mean yes but um it doesn't have to be exclusive to that type of role um what I want to do is speak on more of Maybe lead, leading projects and things like that, but how I lead projects, how do I show conversations? Like, am I putting together decks? Um, am I presenting these to CEOs and things like that? I want to kind of speak to more of that, and that's where Power BI and Tableau kind of come in a little bit more. So okay. I, I want so, to get so more in. to think about what is my ideal work function and then backing into the school, the tool stack. There you go. That's a, yeah. There you go. That's yeah. smart, yeah. Because yeah. if you wanted to be in the back room where you don't interface with people, you just be a d- database developer or mm-hmm. a data engineer where all you're doing is coding mm-hmm. in SQL all day long and you're not talking to people right. really as much. And I, I mean, I thought about that and that was kind of where I think I leaned towards when I first got the when we first started the apprenticeship and everything like that. But again, I look back at what experience that I already have. I mean, it's going to take extreme, like a pretty good amount of time to just start learning a whole new type of language or system. Like I, I looked at myself holistically and was like, "This is, this is what you know. This it'll be easier to grow in these areas to get in these positions, um, and then you can kind of learn some of these other skills. You can kind of um, beef up some of these other skills, like your Power BI and stuff like that, because." Um, some of these, these, these project based positions, um, they're going to ask you again, like we always talked about how to quantify your position, quantify your project. And that's where that, that's just a life skill. Everyone ex- should do that. Exactly. And that's what I'm saying. So I, I'm wanting, as you said, back into those roles Yeah, and I, that's kind of where I'm leaning right now. Um, especially some of the entry level positions, um, with the analytics space or with the analytics, um, experience. Oh, yeah. It, you it was a, no, it was an actual LinkedIn message. Oh. <laughs> How about that? Um, so, yeah, so I just kind of want to go that route. So gotcha. we'll see. And, I mean, the conversation I've had, as I said, like the salary conversations are a lot more doing it that way than saying, hey, I'm an analyst, I'm an analyst, I'm an analyst, saying, hey, I am a this with analytics experience. I can, you know. I love that you're thinking about your personal brand so intensely. Yeah, like you're, you're like really chewing on that. Well, it took me, as I said, I, I go through each interview and I'm like, hey, what are the conversations we're having? What are the questions they're asking me? But I go through the role. Like um, one day I come in here, I bring my laptop and I have my LinkedIn pulled up, and I'll show you the um, like how the jobs are broken down, like with the experience, with the skills and stuff like that. How LinkedIn shows you that and shows you what you need to have to be one of the top applicants. Yeah, I'll show I'll show you what that looks like one day. Also, yeah. you need to bring a blazer. You need, yeah, you need I gotta that do that. Shot. I gotta do that too. So, <laughs> um, wait, do we do we talk about recruiters yet? 
We haven't yet. No. I, I, I kind of like made a mental note in my head yeah. to uh, bring that topic up. So you are talking to recruiters. So mm-hmm. it's, it's almost like that's a third strategy. Start developing those relationships. Yeah. So, I mean, well, the recruiter thing is not really... Um, the recruiter thing is, I, I didn't necessarily reach out to recruiters. I was just, it, that was a part of the easy apply, and then I just got linked with recruiters. Well, so like, that is a solid strategy that I'm surprised, that's how Molly got her first job. I didn't know it was a recruiter. Like, when I'm looking at these positions there, I'm just looking at the job description, and then the company, I'm not really researching the company at the time, and just hitting apply. So like tech systems or something like that? Yeah, and then they come back, and they're like, hey, I'm a recruiter, I recruit for such and such, and we're recruiting for this role, and then they're like, all right, well, if you don't get this one, then you kind of get put in their system. Right. As far yeah. as getting those. So it was solely by accident. Could you, no. wait, I want to talk to this recruiter. Or is there more than one? Um, I talked to one today, um, and then I talked to, yeah, well, I talked to two today, yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. I can, so I can. I would love to start making those kinds of connections where, where I can just be a pipeline for these people. And then um, also they could probably give me some in, info on like, yeah, I'll, what are the I'll send you, I'll send you yeah. the profiles when we get out of here. Yeah, that'd be great. Yeah. Um, so has that, how, are you just talking to one recruiter or? Is it was just two, but yeah, one was the first call today. The other one, we had a call earlier in the week and um, we're setting something up for another interview. We're doing some prep next week, so. Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah. I mean, that, that's actually how Molly broke into the space. Is that, right. And, and that, that blew my mind because I, when I think of recruiters, I think of like headhunters who find the next CEO of a $12 billion company. Mm-hmm. I don't think of like an entry level business analyst mm-hmm. for a medium-sized company but i mean it makes sense like um have you, have you haven't met ryan my friend ryan yet mm, i don't think so no. um so he owns he's the ceo of a marketing agency he owns it and he was talking about how difficult it is to find people who are at like a good fit mm-hmm. and he's like yeah I, I'd, I'd happily pay twenty thousand dollar commission mm-hmm. to get the right person in the role because it's going to be worth if I get the wrong person in, that's worth two hundred thousand dollars. Right. Because and it's happened. I mean, I've seen how not not to talk about like the mental right, stress right. he gets right. when, the, when the wrong person's in the role. Because hiring people is so so tricky mm-hmm. to kind of put like the employer's cap on. Mm-hmm. Like you're not an unknown quantity. Like. Mm-hmm. You could be a complete catfish. You could like that is very you, true. You, you could just I, like, I think about up. that all the time. Yeah. So, I, and I think this gets to the point of, and why I'm like really happy with with just kind of the state where you are now is that your body language has, has even shifted and your tonality, and you you just I I feel like you're you're feeling like more like embodied. Right. You're you're yeah. Instead of being like I wouldn't say you were like meek or sheepish, but you just weren't like. I'm here. I'm rooted. Right. I think it took me a second to kind of get an experience, like kind of jump into the deep end with it. And then once right. I kind of started having these conversations, kind of filling this out, like then, you know, I can speak to it a little bit better for sure. Right. And, and that's why like having those c- concrete examples of here is the project we worked on. Here's a specific problem we, we encountered because mm-hmm. it would be really hard to lie about something like that. I mean, I guess people could pull it off. Yeah. I mean, you can. I mean, you can Google anything. Um, top questions, you know, like uh, top questions that ask in analytics interviews. I mean, you could Google this. I'm not going to. I Google some of this just to kind of just for prep. I didn't have it in front of me, which would have been smarter depending on the setting. But, um, but yeah, I mean, it's just getting used to it over and over again. Well, like, 
to take what I was talking about a little bit like the, a little bit further. So I had a friend who hired someone who was a project manager for 15 years mm-hmm. who could not manage a project. Right. And that like blew my mind. Right. So on paper, this person looked amazing. Right. And then you get, you get in there. And I guess like, I guess project management works different than in, in bigger companies. Mm-hmm. Like some project managers might have like a simple job and a very specific function mm-hmm. to where this was like a startup company. So okay. I had to be on top of everything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So being able to ascertain, like, is this actually a good fit or not mm-hmm. is really, really challenging. Yeah, yeah, it was tough. Um, yeah, I mean, some of those roles, there there are certain things that they look for. There are certain words that they'll say in the interviews. But quite honestly, if you, depending on the role that you apply for, if you Google it, it'll tell you, like, you just, like, for project management, for analysts, if you Google, like, your responsibilities or um, just some of the qualifications that's in it, you'll see some commonalities within it, and then you'll know, hey, I either need to get these certifications or something like that, or I need to learn these. Uh, you are, can you make that concrete? Like, are there any concrete examples? Yeah, so, like, Agile for project management. Agile is something okay. that I was specifically asked to me when I had a conversation today, um, which I I didn't know much about, but um, there are different project management certifications, but Agile specifically is kind of something that they want you to know yeah um so i mean that's something that you can go through and at least be able to speak about like going through a linkedin course um as you said sql like data right, camp, just, yeah Udemy, just to yeah. say that i have i mean a linkedin course is like a relatively weak signal but it, just the fact that well, you i've can, done it for an hour i've sat here and i've learned about this for an hour yeah like i mean i yeah so i mean it's not like oh i'm a you know i'm linkedin certified but it'll be i i'm at least familiar with this so if you throw me like i may be the bottom man of this project team but if you throw me in here i at least know what's going on right so and i mean if you can do it like that again like she said agile i couldn't really speak to it that much because i wasn't familiar um so And, and you handled it right the worst thing to do is like oh agile I know everything about that. Yeah, so I was like, yeah, I'm actually, I was like, yeah, I've actually started learning it this way, and this is what right. I'm starting to do. And then I was familiar with the project manager, some of the certifications. So then I started speaking to that on a little bit of a higher level, like, yeah, within the next couple months, I plan on doing this with some of the analytics or whatever, whatever, I'm doing this. Um, and then that kind of shows you, hey, maybe he doesn't know this, but he's interested in learning. And considering right. the role that we're discussing at the time, is very entry level, so... In my opinion, that would suffice, but, you know, we'll see. Gotcha. So. All right. So we're about 50 minutes in. Mm-hmm. What are the biggest lessons, challenges, comments? What, what do you got to say reflecting back on? So you're here. You're, mm-hmm. You have the opportunity, if you want, right. to get into this space. Mm-hmm. And it's quite crazy because it's what you've been. It's been a three month transition. Pretty is, much, yeah. This which is, is first week of awesome. May started first week of February. <laughs> so you didn't have to spend fifty thousand dollars in two years to get exactly. a second degree or a master's degree to get into the role. Yeah, and I mean this. This has kind of given me a more of a um, understanding of what is need. Like you don't need a master's degree to kind of get into some of these spaces. Like yes, is good. Yes, master's degree will qualify you if you don't have a certain amount of work experience. However, actually, I don't know. See, I I, I see that all the time where people go direct from undergrad to grad school. I've well, actually had them reach out to me recently, or some of them reach out to me. It happens all the time, actually. And they're like, I can't get an interview. Well, it does and it doesn't. So some of the jobs will be like, have a master's degree or have uh, eight, ten years experience, you know. Yeah. So it uh, like that little level there. But I mean, if you have no experience at all, yeah, it's probably not going to help a lot. 
unless your degree is very technical. Well, you, yeah, you're over-credentialed and you're under-experienced. Exactly. It's so, a weird spot to find yourself at 25. Exactly. And, I mean, you don't really know unless you want to specialize in something. Like, you don't really know exactly what you want to do. There's yeah. very few people that I know in industry, especially got masters right now, either they knew what they wanted to do or, you know, it was a free education. You know, so, I mean, most people that I know don't really get masters like, oh, let me try to learn something new type of thing. It's it's very specific to what they're trying to do. I was going to say, you know me. Well, actually, no, I got it because it was it was a way for me to pivot, to pivot my career. Yeah. So I went back to get an MBA with concentration analytics. But you knew you wanted to pivot. Done, yeah. Yeah, I exactly. Done it much quicker if I would have known, like, oh, all I have to do is just develop a skill set. Because uh, essentially, when I'm, like, my thesis for this program is that I can help shift, I can, I can help you develop the skill set. I can help you rebrand yourself mm-hmm. and then get into the space. Right. You don't, have, you don't have to spend, you know, grad school money to do that. Yeah. And I mean, yeah, you really don't. Like with this one, it kind of was, I was like, oh, if I have this and let's say um, I get some more of this coding language knowledge, um, I'll be able to add that and speak to that, Put add this to the portfolio, um, get this certification over here. These are things that can get you paid ten, twenty, thirty thousand dollars $30,000 without actually having to go back to grad school. And they only take... At most six months to complete right. compared to a, you know, 12 to 24 month program. So, right. and depending on the program, I mean, you can spend quite a little bit of money. So. And I, I think grad school is great, but have the company pay for it. Yeah, that's kind of where I'm leaning right now. Yeah. Because like, like, like get in the space, get paid to develop your skill set further, and then get paid to get that initial. Because, well, because have we, we've talked about this about there's kind of like a fork in the road of, do you want to be a subject matter expert and mm-hmm. be like the senior data scientist at XYZ company? Mm-hmm. Or do you want to be an analytics manager? Because getting into management, uh, an MBA is great for that. Mm-hmm. It just, especially if you're at like a Toyota or like a name brand company, mm-hmm. it's, uh, I, I've never worked at those companies, but I was just watching a podcast where they're, the guy was saying, yeah, you're not going to get into, you're not going to move into management unless you have some type of letter behind your name. Like a, an undergraduate degree is... Yeah, it's not, it it's not going to get it done. Yes, for for those high-level companies, for sure. Um, yeah, I mean, it's just, as I said, like, but you, what I would do is, like, Google or just go to your LinkedIn of whatever company you want to go to and then just go to their highest-performing officers, your CEOs, your CFOs, and things like that. Just see what degrees or certifications they have. Like, that's what I was doing. Um, and then it'll tell you. I mean, granted, some of these people were coming into the game in, like, let's say the 80s, 90s, maybe early 2000s when you didn't need, you know, a bachelor's degree would yeah, get yeah. you more than now. However, some of them, like, a lot of them don't really, I'm not going to say a lot, but some of them don't necessarily have the extra degrees. Like, I think in the analytics space, probably what would be more important than degrees is going to be your portfolio. As you said, Lauren has a GitHub portfolio, yeah. like our Tableau portfolio. Um, you know, putting something in Power BI, Excel, if you're able to show those skills, it'll, say, it'll, it'll mean more in an interview. Yeah, your portfolio, and then also if you can quantify the experience. Exactly. If you've, yeah. like, had a, just a killer record of just finding insight after insight and, mm-hmm. like, build, doing impressive projects and pulling right. it off. Right, That's That's extremely powerful. Right. Right there. Yeah, so I think quantifying and, uh, yeah, I think that'll, that'll work. Okay, congratulations. Appreciate it. You're you're now officially in the space if, you know, well, I guess if you want to drive. (laughs) Yeah. Six hours a week, which, did you officially turn them down, by the way? Yeah, I did. Uh, I waited, I waited a while before I did, I waited a couple days before I did, but yeah. I mean, but you've got, what, three more 
interviews coming up? Yeah, I have some. Yeah, and some second round interviews. I have two second rounds. Um, two second rounds. One next week. But I mean, if you've got this many opportunity now, just keep digging. Yeah, like, and like, I mean, again, some I know. Like I, I know some some of the people that are hiring me. Like I know some other people in my company. They're like, it's going to take a while. Even from the interview, it'll probably take a little bit before you'll hear something back anyway. So you know, I'm just it's going to be a hurry up and wait type of process. Awesome. So. Well, let's end there. This has been a fantastic. I'm I'm so happy. This is awesome. <laughs> Thank you. Hey, I hope you really enjoyed this episode. I'm curious, were there any valuable insights or lessons that you learned? One thing that could hugely help us out is if you just took 30 seconds and left us a review with a little blurb about what you learned. Thank you so much for your time and attention, and I hope you enjoy the rest of your day. Hey, I hope you really enjoyed this episode. I'm curious, were there any valuable insights or lessons that you learned? One thing that could hugely help us out is if you just took 30 seconds and left us a review with a little blurb about what you learned. Thank you so much for your time and attention, and I hope you enjoy the rest of your day.